Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Um, yeah. So there's this um, movie that I saw a long time ago called, I think, The Wishmaster or something like that, where you had to make a wish, but it was never, you know, what you wanted. It was actually a horror movie. And, um, so like the person I remember the most, he wished for, um, like $3 million and a pile of money fell out the sky and crushed him and he died. Ha 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 ha. That was it. I feel like this book is that movie because while we all wished for a deeper love story between, um, Mia Moore and Carter, we didn't ask for all it is. We didn't ask for all these people to be brought back to life. And apparently in the bringing them all back to life, they just completely left out like a whole backstory of money's life or made up a whole backstory that didn't even exist. Once again, the theme of this uh, series, the, the, the theme of series 14 is retcon. It's retcon. Chapter 9. Let the games begin, gentlemen. Monroe. Zaire rode through the city, and in a matter of weeks, the streets had dried up. It looked like a ghost town. From Opalaka to Carroll City, all the way to Little Havana, all of his operations were at a standstill, and nobody was getting paid. As he pulled up to 70th Street and 5th Avenue, he was more than livid. His most profitable blocks were turning no profit and this alarmed him. He parked his black S-Class along the curb and checked his surroundings. The notorious hood was known worldwide for his ruthless stick-up kids, and Zaire made sure that he was acutely aware of everything moving around him. He pressed a button on his custom radio console, and a hidden compartment slid out. He grabbed the handgun to lay inside and tucked it in his waistline before exiting the vehicle. He approached a small project building, and all eyes were on him. Zaire was the smallest nigga on the block, but he had the heart of a lion. Slim in stature, many men had learned the hard way by sizing him up at first glance. Zaire didn't pop his gums, he popped his guns, so anyone he ever caught beef with usually didn't live to tell about it. He had made an example out of plenty since arriving in Miami, which is why as he approached, he was shown nothing but respect. 
The littered streets were unusually quiet. What up, baby? He greeted Fly Boogie, one of the youngins who worked as a lookout. Fly Boogie leaned against a graffiti-tagged wall and was a perfect definition of a new school hustler. Fresh Adidas kicks laced his feet. He wore rock-washed skinny jeans that sagged slightly off his hips and a white tank top. They, they said, wife beater again, I'm not doing that. His snapback hat, nerd glasses, and chain belt accessorized his outfit. At first glance, he looked like a skater kid. No one would ever guess that he was a thorough shooter. His body count was official. He was never afraid of a gun battle, which is why he was a perfect lookout. He would peel a nigga's cap back and ask questions later. No one was coming near Zaire's trap spot unless they were already authorized to be there. Fly Boogie made sure of it. Ain't shit round here. We driving a motherfucker, Fly Boogie said in his heavy southern drawl. Zaire frowned because that was the exact same response he had gotten from each of his spots. Shit had slowed up, and most of his lieutenants were out of product. This was unusual when each of his spots usually blew through five bricks each week. Easy. What happened to the shipment? Shit just came in yesterday. Why that work ain't ready yet, Zaire questioned. Man, you gotta ask them niggas, Fly Boogie responded. You know, I'm just a lookout. As long as I don't see them red and blues or no niggas lurking, then I'm good. I don't worry too much about that other shit, Zai. I play my position, you feel me? Zaire kept his hand near his hip as he hooked his finger in his belt loop and nodded his head. Yeah, I feel you, fam. Keep an eye on my whip. If the police roll by here, drive my shit around the block, he instructed as he pulled out a knot of money and peeled off a $100 bill for the young kid. No doubt, Fly Boogie responded as he shook his head and pushed Zaire's hand away. I got you, fam. It's not necessary. I'm sitting here anyway. It's my job to patrol the block. Your car good, bro. Handle your business, he said. Zaire liked the kid's style. Most thirsty niggas would have pocketed his money, but Fly Boogie was loyal. He felt honored for a dude to Zaire's stature to even talk to him, let alone trust him with his car. Zaire tossed him his car keys and ascended the steps that led to the second story of the raggedy apartment building. He operated out of every unit on the top floor. There were four in all. One where the coke was cooked, in the second unit his young and stacked the dough. The third served as an artillery closet with every type of automatic weapon in the apartment. The fourth was a parlay spot for his workers. He knocked four times on the door in a distinct rhythm, and a small rectangular peephole slid to the side. He was allowed inside immediately upon recognition. Hey, Zai, the ladies called out sweetly as he walked through the apartment, headed towards the back. Ten beautiful stallions stood in high heels and nothing more cooking up hard for the fiends and bagging up powdered cocaine for the freebase users. There was so much product cooking in the small space as Zaire could smell a distinctive scent in the air. He walked directly towards the back and entered the bedroom, which functioned as a small office. Zaire, what's good, baby? Angel, his head lieutenant, greeted. You tell me, Zaire said. From what I'm hearing, nobody's making money. Where's the shipment? I pay you the most because I give you the most responsibility, fam. If you can't handle your position, it's a lot of hungry motherfuckers under you that will love the opportunity to step up. Zaire wasn't one to raise his voice, but
but just from his disposition, Angel could tell that his boss wasn't pleased. I don't want to come all the way out to your side of town only to find out that my money is short. Fuck is going on, fam? Zaire asked. The shipment wasn't on deck, and we running off a of last month's product. It's only a matter of time before this shit runs out. Plus, niggas ain't fucking with us. Some new motherfuckers set up shop out in Hialeah. They selling the shit for dirt cheap. Niggas are selling bricks for $16,000. That's them nineteen ninety nine prices, you feel me? I sling these shits for that and we losing money. We can't compete with that. So anybody buying weight is going to these new niggas. We still got the lower level shit on lock. But like I said, we almost out. And if we don't re-up, we gonna lose our footing in the street real quick, Angel explained. I'll check on the shipment. I just met with my man, so that should have been right on time. In the meantime, run the competition off the blocks. We can't compete with their prices, but they can't compete with our muscle. They can stay, but they gotta pay a tax. This real estate belongs to the cartel, so the niggas gotta pay rent if they wanna hustle this way. Be diplomatic, and if they buck, then we put our murder game down. I hope it doesn't come to that. Because in war, nobody makes money, Zaire stated. He slapped hands with his man and then made his exit. Fly Boogie threw up a salute and tossed Zaire his keys as Zaire walked by. Zaire sped off and immediately called Carter. Business with Buttons had always gone according to plan. Their dealings with him were so consistent that there was never room for error. This misshipment was no mistake, and Zaire couldn't put his finger on it but something fishy was in the air. He pulled out the burnout phone that he used to contact buttons. He dialed the number from memory, knowing that the information was too sensitive to ever record. The number you have reached is not in service, the operator announced. Yeah, something is most definitely up, Zaire thought. They had been doing square business with buttons for too long for things to change now. Zaire immediately thought of their recent trip to Rio. The only factor that had changed in the situation was Monroe. He didn't know exactly what had gone down, but Zaire's hustler intuition told him that Monroe had fucked up the game for everybody. Carter sat on the wooden park bench, tossing crumbs to the birds he sat in deep contemplation. Carter sat on the wooden park bench as he sat in deep contemplation. Derek sat at the computer desk recording this as he sat in deep disgust at what he just read. It's redundant, y'all. Just don't. His life had come full circle, and it seemed as though all the people he thought were lost to the game had come back to him. That's what... Actually, full circle would have had you broke in uh, Michigan living in your mama's house. But I'm just saying. His family felt more complete. Carter handed over leadership desire for good reason. The streets had sucked the life out of him. After killing Mecca, Carter knew that the game had pushed him too far and that it was time to step down. He was confident in his successor, but now that Monroe was back, it created confusion. Jealousy was in the air, and Carter knew that he would have to play mediator between his blood brother and his brother by circumstance. That's the other thing I don't get. Nigga, you just came out of a coma. Why are you mad? Be happy that the business is still there. Why are you mad? Look at you, big homie, out here in the open. I know retirement don't got you slipping like that. 
If I wanted to get you, you couldn't. Carter finished as he stood and turned around to greet Zaire, who had approached him from behind. He pointed his finger 50 yards ahead of him, then off to both sides, showing Zaire that he was never left unprotected. Three of his shooters patrolled the perimeter of the park, eyes on Carter at all times. Carter moved like a boss. He knew the position that he had in the streets. He was like a trophy to thirsty young wolves. The reputation one could get from taking him out was enough to make him a target. The only thing that kept him secure was the respect he had earned over the years. Many niggas had the courage to take the shot, but very few had the courage to miss. Hitting Carter was easier said than done, and should somebody try and fail, the repercussions were deadly. Zaire smirked and shook his head. I should have known, he said. The two men began to stroll through the park as Zaire filled Carter in on the situation. I think we have a problem with buttons. Carter stopped abruptly and turned towards Zaire attentively. The shipment didn't come in. I just left from the trap and shit a Sahara dry, Zaire stated. Did you call buttons? Carter asked. Line is disconnected. It's like he cut all ties with us after meeting with money. I noticed your bro and all, but I'm allergic to snakes, if you get my drift, Zaire said seriously. We've been doing square business for years, and now when money come into the picture, the shit turns sour? Zaire looked at Carter skeptically. That sound right to you? Out of the corner of his eye, he saw Monroe's car pull up. Speaking of fucking devil, he mumbled as the aura turned thick. I've got it. Money's official. Buttons and anybody else who got a problem with them better get comfortable with his presence real quick. We gotta keep our circle strong, Zaire. All we got is a family, Carter said seriously. Zaire held his tongue. He had serious doubts about Monroe, but he was aware that it was a sensitive subject, so he treaded lightly. Monroe approached and slapped hands with Carter. What's it land like, bro? he asked. Carter noticed that Monroe never acknowledged Zaire. He glanced at his two brothers, one adopted through life's test of loyalty and the other blood-born. He would have to fix this divide for sure, but decided not to force it. Time would cause the two men to respect each other, or so he thought. I'm sending Zai back down to meet with Buttons. We out of product, and suddenly he's unreachable, Carter explained. Money nodded and smirked knowing that he was the reason why all communication had ceased. As long as Zaire was the leader of the cartel, then the entire cartel wouldn't eat. Moreau would make sure of it. A position of power like that had to be earned, and Zaire was handed the crown by default. Moreau would burn the entire kingdom to the ground before he allowed Zaire to rule. He definitely didn't want Carter to find out he had undermined him, however. Okay, wait. A position of power like that had to be earned. When did you earn it, money? What'd you do to earn it? Like, this is really pissing me off. I don't understand why they would take somebody that everybody liked in the first book who was a, a genuinely good person, it seemed, and make him into Mecca. I don't get it. You want me to fly over there and make sure everything's smooth? He asked. Carter shook his head. I don't think that's wise. Zaire's more familiar with Buttons. He'll be more comfortable with him. We're easing you back into the swing of things, money. Trust me. 
More responsibility to be delegated to you in a due time. Delegated to me? I'm a boss. A nigga ain't delegating shit to me. He wants to send this man to Rio? I'm going to make sure he don't come back, Monroe thought angrily. He showed no sign of displeasure outwardly. Whatever you say, you're the boss, Monroe stated. Carter turned his eye ear. You'll leave in the morning. Monroe sat in his car, watching as Zaire and Carter pulled off. His distaste for Zaire was growing by the day. Monroe had been away from his family for too long, and he couldn't help but to feel as though he had been replaced. Nikki, you were dead. Why are you acting so childish? Why? Is this how niggas really act? Like, just straight? Yes. Yes, it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Men are petty as fuck. Monroe picked up his cell and placed a call. Hola, Monroe, Buttons answered. Hola, Buttons. I just called to give you a heads up. Carter is sending Zaire down to Rio with his goons. He's upset that they've been cut off. They'll be there tomorrow. It's in your best interest to annihilate anyone associated with the cartel if they show up on your doorstep. They're coming to kill you. Make no mistake about it, Monroe said. He knew that if he put Buttons on the defensive... There will be no way Zaire will come back alive. I will prepare for their arrival, Button said, his voice menacingly cold. Monroe ended the call and then checked his rear view before pulling away from the park. Let the games begin, gentlemen. You know what was always fucked up? When the games began and one person didn't even know if they were playing a game. I'm pointing directly at y'all motherfuckers who hate on people behind their back. Who think that they got something that you want. Or who you think got more than what you have. And so you hate on them as soon as they leave. But you never do it in their face. You sneak diss them like he's doing with Zaire. But didn't nobody. Everybody's trying to open arms to this nigga who literally just came out of a coma mad. How do you come out of a coma mad dog? How do you wake up mad? What the fuck is that? I hope he dies. I know, I know, I know. And also, where's Breeze at? They ain't talked about her since uh, she told Zaire to kill Ileana. And where's she at? I know I ask this every episode, but until they have a chapter, I'm just going to figure they forgot about him. Carter entered his home, and for the first time since he purchased the place, it felt lived in. His world had been so cold and lonely that he never appreciated the things that he had attained. The aroma of food filled the air. It reminded him that he had neglected to eat. He walked into the kitchen and found Mia Moore over the stove. He smiled when he saw that she wore nothing but a bra and a thong. Her long, shapely legs, juicy behind, and slim waist instantly sent sparks to his loins. The stilettos that graced her French manicured feet caused him to smile. He stood back and watched her work. She clearly knew her way around the kitchen. He had missed her in his life, and her return made his entire existence complete. He walked up behind her and wrapped his arms around her waist. Burying his head in the creases of her shoulders, he inhaled deeply, loving her scent. I could have gotten you. You didn't even know I was behind you, Carter whispered as he kissed her neck. Mia Moore's head fell to the side as she enjoyed the feel of his lips against her skin. Mm, That feels good, she whispered. She turned towards him and kissed his lips, deeply and sensuously. 
A nigga will never catch me slipping, Carter Jones. Take a look under that kitchen towel. Me and Moore slipped out of his embrace and walked over to the cabinet, grabbing two wine glasses. Carter lifted the towel and found a small caliber pistol lying underneath it. He chuckled and thought, damn. I mean, what you should do at that point is ask, yo, why you need the gun? Who you scared of, ma? What you afraid of? And then she could be like Mecca, and then you could be like, I killed him. And then she's like, oh, cool. He found her incredibly sexy. The fact that she was so thorough impressed him. He was getting to know this new side of her. And now that there were no secrets between them, he respected it. Did you tell her that Mecca's dead? She was feminine and incredibly sexy. But the little bit of street she had in her drove him wild. She made up the perfect recipe of a woman. Now come have a seat and let me feed my man, she said. What's for dinner, he asked as he sat down in the chair that she had pulled out for him. She was treating him like a king. Steak and seafood, she replied. And for dessert, he quipped. Me, she answered. When she learned how to cook, I guess it was in the two years since she was on her own that she learned how to do all this big stuff. Because he had to buy her a chef. Because she couldn't cook. Mia Moore straddled Carter. The only thing that stopped her wet pussy from soaking the crotch of his pants was the tiny fabric of her thong. The sexual chemistry that was between them was supercharged. That was the one part of their relationship that they had always gotten right. Or we could have dessert first, she whispered. Carter stood, lifting her as he swept everything off the table. Dishes and silverware went flying to the floor as he laid her down on top of the expensive marble. He removed his manhood, and in one Casanova moment, he slid her. Sl- That's a Casanova moment. He slid her thong to the side. Ooh, Casanova! Her wetness warmed him as he slipped inside of her. With one arm wrapped around her arched waist and the other braced against the table, he controlled the pace. He stroked her slowly, powerfully, as her bodies moved rhythmically. I love you, Mia Moore whispered as he kissed her neck. His dick penetrated depths of her that she didn't... You said that in the last chapter. His dick penetrated depths of her that she didn't even know existed. Y'all needed the thesaurus. Carter's sex game was official. An unselfish lover, he always pleased her first. His touch was gentle, but he moved with authority, making commands of her without ever speaking any words. His girth made her blossom bloom, and with every dip of his hips, she matched his intensity. She grinded upward, throwing her love at him as their bodies became one. Mia Moore knew she had the best pussy around. Very few had sampled it, but the ones who had were easily put under her spell. Mia Moore had that make-a-nigga-fall-in-love pussy. It was inevitable to become trapped in her world. But with Carter Jones, she fell just as hard. Like a magnet, she was drawn to him, and not Mecca, not life, not death could pull them apart. It was serendipitous for them to spend eternity loving each other. Mia Moore closed her eyes and enjoyed the ride as she felt her orgasm build. She saw blinding white as she came. And the pulsating tool inside of her, along with the look of fulfillment on Carter's face, told her that he had gotten his too. He pulled out of her and grabbed her hand. Join me in the shower, Ma. I've had a long day. I just want to be around you. 
What about the food, she asked. I'll have the staff wrap everything up. We'll order a pizza or something, Carter said. It was his simplicity that endeared him to her. He could take her around the world and back. His money was long and his reach wide, but he didn't stunt to impress her. Time with her was enough to make him happy. Whether in a cardboard box or within the massive walls of his five-star mansion, they were satisfied with just the presence of one another. Mia Moore followed him to the master bedroom and sat on the edge of the travertine tile bathtub as Carter ran the water. Vanilla bubbles and bath salts scented the room, and she lowered herself into the warm water. Carter pulled her close, her back against his chest as they both relaxed. I appreciate you cooking for me. In fact, I love that, but right now no one knows you're here. She knows you told her that. You have to stay low. My family doesn't know that you've returned, and until I figure out how to handle things, you have to stay inside. No more grocery runs, Carter said. You're right. It won't happen again, she answered. It wasn't what she wanted to say, but she was learning to bite her tongue. She was afraid that if she made one little mistake or displeased Carter in any way, he would dispel her from his life. He knew her well, however, and could tell that she wanted to say more. Why do you do that? You didn't used to hold anything back from me, he said. I'm just trying to be what you want, Carter, Mia Moore said. In that moment, she felt small, like she was dimming her light in order to help Carter shine, something she thought she would never do for any man. I want a woman that speaks her mind, Mia Moore. Don't tiptoe around me. Respect me, be honest with me, and I'll respect you and be honest with you. That's all I want from you. Now what's on your mind, he said. How long do you expect me to hide? I don't want to feel like a prisoner here, Mia Moore replied honestly. Just give me a little bit of time. I'm dealing with a lot right now, Carter admitted. She turned around so she could face him. His face was etched with stress. What's wrong, she asked. Monroe and Zaire aren't on the best of terms. They aren't feeling each other. It's hard to choose one brother over another. I got Zaire meeting with our connect tomorrow, but by selecting him to go, I could tell Monroe feels slighted. Why don't you just make the trip yourself? That way you're not choosing sides, Mia Moore suggested. Carter didn't respond, but he definitely heard what she said. It seemed to be the most diplomatic solution to his problem. He rose from the water. Hey, where are you going, she asked. I thought we would go for round two. Carter leaned over and kissed her lips. Not tonight. I've got a pack, and so do you. Since I can't guarantee that you'll stay put while I'm gone, you'll have to come with me. Tomorrow, we're flying to Rio. Once again, another chapter with Mia Moore and Carter where they do nothing but have sex. And then she realizes how she's completely just submitting to him. And then he tells her that he doesn't want her to submit to him while still making her submit to him. Chapter 10. When in Rome, me and more. Oh, and also, you know, they're going on another trip. Because, you know, last time they went to Costa Rica on a trip. And then they had sex. This time, they're going to Rio on a trip. On their favorite rocket ship, going to the skies. 
Blowing through the sky. There's no way blowing through the skies. Going to the sky. Little Einstein's. Whatever the fuck. I don't know. My kids ain't little no more. The ocean waves washed the shores. Mia Moore walked through the soft white sand. Leaving indents of her feet as she went. She couldn't believe that the beach was so empty. The entire coastline was clear. There wasn't a person in sight. It felt like she had the entire ocean to herself. She lifted her head to the sky and closed her eyes as the sun kissed her cheeks. Rio de Janeiro was a beautiful place, and she hoped that they found time to explore the city. She understood that they were in town so that Carter could handle his business, but certainly they could find time to play before they left. Rio was the sexiest city in the world, and Mia Moore wanted to fuck her man on the beach, under the stars. Hope you got a blanket, because getting sand in your ass is not... Ugh. She looked back and saw Carter motioning for her from the second-story balcony. She turned around and headed back to the luxury via. She entered and found him standing in white linen shorts, a white linen shirt, and a crisp tank top underneath. He was dapper, and Mia Moore smiled at how lucky she was. Carter could have any woman in the world. He could certainly have any of the sexy vixens in Rio, but he wanted her. I plan to meet Buttons in the morning, Carter said. Why not tonight, she asked. Because tonight is ours, he replied. There's no way you would ever let me live it down if I flew you in and out of Rio without letting you explore your way around. She laughed and kissed his lips because she loved that he knew her so well. Well, we're in Rio, and tonight I want to dance, she exclaimed. I don't dance, ma, Carter chuckled. And since when do you dance, gangster? He asked mockingly, never figuring me and more to be the type to indulge in Latin dance. When in Rome, right? She asked with a laugh. Carter and me and more rode through the city streets presidential style as their driver escorted them to the hottest nightclub in Rio. The streets were definitely alive as the attractive people came out to play. They could see the line to the club from a block away as it looped around the building. The club was more like a hole in a wall, but it was the place to be on a Saturday night. Carter looked out the window and frowned. You sure this is the place? He asked the driver. See, see, the driver replied. Looks like a fucking dive, he said. Lighten up, Carter Jones. Tonight, we welcome the unexpected, she whispered. Carter put his pistol in his waist, and Mia Moore put a small twenty-two in her clutch before exiting the car. They walked straight up to the entrance, and Carter tipped the bouncer generously to be let directly into the club. As soon as they stepped inside, Carter realized why it was so popular. The vibe was sensual, seductive, and the dance floor was packed full of people dancing to Latin music. The club glowed red, casting an illuminating hue all over the room. Everyone in the club seemed to be the most beautiful people either of them had ever seen. Carter found his eye wandering as they made their way through the crowd. The thick shapes of the real women enticed Carter, and the fact that they were scantily dressed left nothing to his imagination. Mia Moore laughed and said, See, I told you that you would have a good time. They found a table, and a waitress brought them a round of drinks. Hola, Americanos, she greeted with a smile. Every waitress in the place served in boy shorts and bra. But the one who served them made the uniform look seem erotic. 
Her breast popped out of the bra, sitting perky and high, and her flat stomach was flawless. Her wide hips were accompanied by a beautiful behind. My name is Lucy, and I'll be serving you tonight. This first round of tequila is on the house. Let me know if I can get you anything else, she said. Her accent was exotic, and her dark hair gave her a mysterious look. You need to loosen up, Mia Moore shouted over the music. Drink up. Carter and Mia Moore hit a shot of tequila, and then Carter ordered a cognac as Mia Moore indulged in her cocktail. You want to try it? She asked, nodding at the dance floor. Nah, Ma. You know, my movements don't change much. I don't do the two-stepping thing. Go ahead, though. I'll enjoy the view, he said as he leaned into her ear. As Lucy placed her third round of drinks on the table, she smiled and asked, You guys aren't going to dance? Carter shook his head. You have to, Poppy. Do you know how many American men run away down here just to visit this very club? Lucy exclaimed as she stood with her hand on her hip. I'll pass, Ma, he said with a smile. I guess that's easy for you to do with a girlfriend like this, Lucy said as she winked at Mia Moore. How about you? You know dance? Mia Moore shrugged and Lucy shook her head. Oh, no. Mama Cedar, you're too pretty to be a wallflower, she said. Lucy grabbed Mia Moore's hand and pulled her to her feet. Can I borrow her? Lucy asked. Please, Poppy. I promise I'll bring her back in one piece. Carter waved his hand and sat in the cut as he watched Mia Moore be pulled onto the dance floor with Lucy as her partner. What do I do? Mia Moore asked. You just let me seduce you, Mommy. Just relax and have a good time. The little pill I put in your drinks will have you rolling in no time, Lucy whispered in her ear. Mia Moore's mind numbed as Lucy circled her like a predator. Wait, what the fuck? Okay, what I'm thinking is that Lucy is setting them up so then... um. Bubbles, buttons, buttons can come and grab them, but how would she know? But why are you putting drugs in people's drinks without telling them? You can get fired for that. And I strongly doubt that they're just calling people a poppy, you know, for no reason out in, in Brazil. Mia Moore's mind numbed as Lucy circled her like a predator. Her nipples hardened and Lucy pulled her close. Her breath caught in her throat as Lucy's hands roamed all over Mia Moore's body leaving a tingle every place she touched. You're a very pretty girl. He's lucky to have you, Lucy whispered in her ear as she planted a wet kiss on her neck. Mia Moore's mind spun and everything felt good. Her entire body tingled, ached, begged to be touched. She had never popped ecstasy before, but now that it had been slipped to her, she enjoyed the ride. Did you give him some? Mia Moore asked as she glanced over at her man. I did, Mommy, and I usually don't partake in the club's activities. But as soon as you two sat down in my section, I knew that I wanted to suck the sweetness out of your pussy while you suck on his black dick, Lucy whispered. Mia Moore's eyes popped open, and it was then that she realized that she had even closed them. Lucy's words made her panties wet, and she moaned helplessly. She had never been so horny in her life. I bet his dick is big, hey? Lucy asked. Tell me it's big, Mommy. It's big, Mia Moore panted as Lucy grinded on her to the slow beat of the music. Her hands were planted on Mia Moore's hips as she aligned their pussies, grinding and whining slowly. I want to suck that black dick. Can I suck his dick, Mama? The Latina asked. 
Under normal circumstances, Mia Moore would have cut the girl's tongue out of her mouth. But Mia Moore was in the moment. The overwhelming desire that she felt made her consider sharing Carter with a voluptuous South American vixen. It was every man's fantasy to bring another woman into his bed with wifey. And Mia Moore smirked as she thought, that just might happen tonight. Carter leaned back in the booth and felt his dick jump as he watched Mia Moore dance with Lucy. Undoubtedly, they were the two most beautiful women in the club, and the steamy session they were having on the dance floor had Carter on brick. He ordered a cigar, and a pure Cuban was brought out for him. He clipped the end and held it up to the flame that the waitress held for him. All the while, his eyes never let the show Mia Moore was putting on for him. Their eyes locked, and Carter exhaled a mouthful of smoke. He nodded for her to return to the table, and Mia Moore obliged, bringing Lucy back with her. That was quite a performance, Ma, Carter said as he licked his lips. The way he did it told Mia Moore that he wanted to lick another set of lips as well, and she smiled. Why don't we head back, she said. Carter stood to his feet, and Mia Moore added, All three of us. Momentarily thrown off kilter, Carter paused. He didn't know if this was a trick or if he had heard her wrong. When in Rome, right? She asked again with a mischievous smile. Carter loved the spontaneity of it all. He would have never asked her for a threesome, but he for damn sure wasn't going to turn down one at her suggestion. Carter grabbed Mia Moore's hand, and Mia Moore grabbed Lucy's hand as they left the club and entered their awaiting car. Back to the via, Carter instructed as he rolled up the window that separated them from the curious eyes of the driver. As soon as their privacy was official, Mia Moore lowered her head into Carter's lap, releasing his already hard penis. Ooh, poppy, Lucy moaned as she admired his size. Carter sat back in the seat as Mia Moore pushed Lucy's head down onto Carter's dick. Carter gasped as Lucy's mouth took him in. Oh, shit, he whispered as she went to work. Mia Moore kissed his lips and whispered in his ear, This is going to be the best night of your life. He gripped the back of her head, intensifying their kiss as he clenched his ass and fucked Lucy's mouth at the same time. Her head game was out of this world as she topped him off, licking and sucking his dick. Scoot down, Poppy, she whispered as she pulled him off the edge of the seat. There was something about the way she called him Poppy to make Carter want to come in her mouth. And when he felt her tongue dip in his ass, he moaned out loud. You like that, baby? Mia Moore whispered. Mia Moore lowered her head and went south on her man as she sucked his dick while Lucy licked his ass. Carter felt as if he would explode at any moment. He placed his hand on the back of Mia Moore's head and sucked his teeth. Psst, damn, ma, suck that shit, he groaned. Carter had hit a lot of women in his day, but he had never had a session this good. He had no idea that it was an E taking her to new heights. The nut that built up inside him finally erupted, and Mia Moore locked eyes with him as she swallowed every drop. Her and Lucy arose as the car stopped moving. Let's take this inside. I'm not done with you yet, Mia Moore said. He had never seen her so uninhibited, and he liked it. The threesome adjusted their clothing and then rushed into the via. The women couldn't keep their hands off of Carter as they fumbled to get him out of his clothes. Carter kissed Mia more passionately and pulled back suddenly. You got any condoms? 
Miyamore shook her head because they didn't use them with one another. But she wasn't so high as to let another bitch sample her dick without protection. I have them, Lucy whispered as she removed the magnum from her purse. She ripped it open and slid it onto Carter's dick. It was hard, as if the first nut had never even happened. The softness of her hands made him close his eyes as Lucy began to stroke his dick gently. Carter turned Mia Moore around and pulled his hardness away from Lucy. He slid into Mia Moore from behind, standing in the middle of the room, and gripped her hips so that she had nowhere to run. Lucy loved the sight and couldn't feel left out for long. She got on her knees in front of Mia Moore and parted the petals of her delicate flower. Oh my goodness, Mia Moore yelled in pleasure when she felt Lucy's mouth on her clit. The dick Carter was serving from behind and the ecstasy that Lucy provided in front threw Mia Moore into a frenzy. Her body shook, having earthquakes of pleasure as the pair pleased her. She scared herself because she loved this threesome so much she knew that she would definitely try it again. And next time, it wouldn't be only for Carter. Lucy folded her lips over her teeth and bit down on Mia Moore's clit, feasting on the juicy piece of flesh until Mia Moore could no longer take it. Eat it. Please keep going, Lucy. Oh, shit, Carter. Oh, Carter, Mia Moore screamed. Come for me, Ma. Let her taste it, Carter whispered. His deep baritone in her ear pushed Mia Moore off the cliff, and she enjoyed the free fall as she dove into a sea of orgasms. Her eyes rolled into the back of her head, and Lucy backed up as Carter bent Mia Moore over onto the arm of the couch. He stroked her deep and at a rapid pace until finally he exploded. The threesome fucked all over the via, going round after round. Mia Moore fucked Carter, Carter fucked Lucy, Lucy fucked Mia Moore, and every other combination possible. They all lowered their inhibitions for the sake of animalistic desires. They simply wanted to please and be pleased for the night. Finally, exhaustion plagued them, and Lucy fell asleep in the couple's bed as Mia Moore and Carter lay in each other's arms. Did we really just do that? Mia Moore asked with a laugh. Carter nodded as he turned towards her and brushed the hair from her face. Do you regret it? He asked. Mia Moore shook her head. No. As long as you enjoyed it as much as I did, then I don't regret any of it. You're my man and my king. <laughs> every king deserves to have a concubine every once in a while. Which one of y'all wrote that line? I'm betting it was Jaquavis. Ashley, you telling your husband that because he's the king, he deserves to have a little on the side every once in a while? Hmm? That what we doing? I mean, if y'all do threesomes, that's cool. If y'all are poly, that's cool. You know, that's your lifestyle. But every king isn't. Mia Moore winked at him and reached up to kiss his lips. I'll do anything for you, Carter. For forgiving me and taking me back into your life, I'll do all that I can to make you happy. You don't have to do anything, Mia Moore. This was good, but this isn't you, Ma. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. I more than enjoyed it, but you don't have to do anything extra. Just by ringing my doorbell on a rainy night, you made the rest of my life a happy one. Now get some sleep, Carter said. He kissed her forehead and closed his eyes positive at that moment that there wasn't a man on earth in a better position than he was. They never said how she found his house. 
916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, uh, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook, leave a review on Podchase, or you can leave a review for this episode or for the show as a whole. Um, you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts at uh, Good Pods. Um, if you have the app, go ahead and leave five stars for that. And I guess on Stitcher. Um you can donate to the show by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or you can leave a donation on Good Pods on by just going to our tip jar. I still don't like the book. I mean, sex ain't going to change that. And it still frustrates me that every time the Mia Moore and, and Carter get together, all that happens is sex. There's no talk about what she's actually scared of. Have you noticed that? Even in the second book, or yeah, when she was dreaming and she was in a coma, they never really talked about anything important. He just talked about protecting her all the time and never actually asked what he should be protecting her from. And it's the same thing happening here. Thank y'all so much for listening. I greatly do appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm holla at you later. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know by now that you slipped.